you there so that people can talk about you. So people can cut you down. So that people can leave you for dead. Amen. It's a learning place. You learn who your friends are in the wilderness. You learn who is for you and who's against you. You learn who you are, right? You learn your heart. Amen. It is where you learn how to pray through until you come through. And there's a lot of people today that'll pray nice, cute little prayers. But I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful today that I was raised up in a church that they didn't just allow you to pray cute little prayers until you felt better about yourself. But they'd get around you, surround you. They would get on top of you and they would pray until you prayed through. They'd pray until the glory of God would fill your life. They would pray until direction would come. They would pray until the bondage would fall off of your life. They'd pray until your purpose became pointed. They would pray until your destiny was defined. They would pray until you married the right spouse. They would pray for you until you were delivered and keep you out of prison. Come on, somebody. They would pray until they prayed through and had direction and purpose for your life. And I'm thankful today because after Jesus was baptized, he didn't go and sit on the throne. When Jesus was baptized, he didn't go write a book about how to open heavens and doves to fly around. When he got finished with the, 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 the baptism, he didn't go to TBN. He didn't go to, to whatever station and say and start the circuit around the world, right? But the Bible said that when he got the heavens were opened up, he was baptized. And the Bible said that he went to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The wilderness is a place of sanctification. It is a place where that you get all the baggage that you picked up from your crazy family. You can let it off in the wilderness. Huh? Come on, somebody. People say, well, I, I've got, I'm ang- I, I, I get angry and I can't help it. They, they say, well, you know, I've got an attitude. But I want to tell you, in the wilderness is the place to let all your baggage off. It'll, it strips you of anger. It strips you of the bitterness. It strips you of the attitude. It strips you of those things that you said, well, let me, mama gave it to me. Dad, no, you've got to learn that when you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, Old things pass away and all things become new. And so what, what, what happens in the wilderness, we get stripped of all of that stuff and we take on Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit. Amen. Where that we're meek and we have temperance. Come on. Amen. Gentleness and long-suffering. And then we take those gifts and we apply them to our life and we can be transformed in the wilderness. God chose David to be king of Israel while he was young. Samuel, the Bible said, went to Jesse's house and there were seven sons there, had them all lined up and, and Samuel goes and looks them over and he says, there isn't none of them here what God's telling me to anoint as king. So where are your other sons? Do you have any more? He said, yeah, I've got another son. He's out tending to the sheep. Scholars will tell you, some of the scholars suggest to you that David was uh, Jesse's illegitimate son. 
son. And that's the reason why he hid him away, never even brought him to the lineup. But you see, you can be a mess in your life and even people can count you out and say you can't do a thing because of something else that your parents or your grandparents have done. But the devil is a liar. God can raise you up. It doesn't matter what your history has been. It doesn't matter what your your family tree looks like when God puts his blessing. I believe God looks for folk like that so that they can't say it was because of his daddy or his mommy, but it was to God be the glory. He raises up a David, puts his anointing upon him and says, I'm going to use you, David, you, you, you little scandal, you, 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 you one that everybody put out, you, you, they thought would be a farmer, but I'm going to raise you up to be the king in the palace. Glory to God. I tell you today, God still specializes in taking individuals and I'm so thankful for it and still gives me hope when other people have counted you out, when other people say you can't make it, when other people say it cannot be done, but they don't know the anointing and what the anointing can do upon your life. You may have to go through the wilderness to find it, but whenever you find it, the anointing will cause you to be successful. Everything your hands lay into, it will prosper and it will be blessed. Amen. So he anoints David to be king. And I like what it says. It said God chose him in the midst of his brethren. <laughs> he didn't take him over there on the side, side room and put some oil on him. You ever read that? You ever studied that out? He took about five gallons of oil and he was saturated when he left. It wasn't a little dab, you know, like we do. Get you a little cross there. No, they poured the oil on him until he was consumed with the oil. That and he did it in the face of his brothers, his haters. They were drinking haterade. They hated David, right? They didn't want nothing to do with David. David was the outcast. He was the nobody. He was the nothing. But God, even in the midst of his haters, brought him in. Isn't that just like God? And just said, I'm going to anoint you right here in the front of all of them so they know that you are my chosen. You may not have been your daddy's chosen. You may not have been your mama's chosen. But you, I chose you for myself, David. And I'm anointing you. And I'm going to raise you up to do great and mighty things. Amen. Man, David was anointed to be king, but he's not king. In 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 17, the Bible talks to us about David and how that he said that, that he was Saul's servant. And he said, provide unto me now a man to play and bring um, to him to me. And David is anointed to be king, just like Jesus. He, he doesn't go to his throne. He goes to the wilderness. Now David is anointed to be king, but he's not in the place of kingship. So what does he do? He doesn't get an attitude and say, bless God, I'm king. He uses the anointing for where he's at. And he said, if I have to play a horn, I'm going to play that horn anointed. 
Amen. If I've got to tend sheep, I'm going to be the most anointed sheep keeper there is. Amen. He was using his gift. He was using his anointing for where he was, knowing that where he was to go. And we've got to be faithful on this journey, folks. We've got to be faithful. Yes, we've got great places to go. God is going to do great and mighty things through us and to us. But we've got to be faithful for where we are now. And it's in that process. David said, I'm, I know I'm anointed to be king, but I'm not king. So I'm just going to use this anointing to play. I'm going to use this anointing for where I can serve and what I can do. And God used him and blessed him for it. And then we see David going on down to Samuel 22. David finds himself in a cave. David therefore departed from there and escaped from there to a cave of Abdullam so that when his brothers and all of his father's house heard it, they came down to him. See, uh, he's anointed to be king, Joshua, but he's in a cave. And he finds himself in this cave with 400 broke down, depressed, angry, can't get no help, men. <laughs> Anointed to be king of Israel. And he's, all he has is 400 rejects. Huh? Now I'm not calling, I'm saying that's how society looked upon them. 400 people depressed, bankrupt, suicidal, can't get no help. And he is anointed to be king, but now he finds himself with 400 men looking like this. David is in a bad place himself. He's running away. He's going into the wilderness, but God will use you even in a broken place. God will use you when you don't feel like you're... You, you've got the best game when, when you don't feel like you're on top of it all, when you don't feel like that you've got it all together, but God will find you and he will use you in a broken place to help other broken people. And that's exactly what he did. He was broken. He was a mess, but he was anointed. I've learned the hard and hard times come. You can find out who your real friends are. When you're in that cave, when you're in that wilderness, you can find out who's really for you and who's not. Everybody wants to be your friend when things are going good. Everybody wants to be your friend when you have something to bring to the table. But when you're alone, when you're in a cave, when you've been anointed for one thing and find yourself somewhere else in a cave hiding out, people, you don't have too many friends. You don't have too many friends. I've learned that whenever you're in those difficult situations, that, that you don't find people that are readily coming to your side. Amen. Wilderness always brings warfare. And so David said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm no, I'm not king, but I'm not, I'm anointed to be king, but I'm not king. So I'm going to use this anointing to raise these men up. And he started speaking into their lives. He started working with them. 
He started showing them how to war and to fight because he said, if we're going to come out of here, we've got to fight our way out. There isn't nobody going to come and help us. There's nobody going to, there isn't no uh, army on the way. We've got to be the army. And so he taught them, the Bible said he taught their hands to war and their fingers to fight. And he brought those men that were nobodies, those people that were ostracized, those people that were down and out, those people that were broken. He caused them to raise up and they were known as David's 400 mighty men that would make war and destroy armies all by themselves. How did they do it? He was anointed in the wilderness. He was in a wilderness place, but he took that anointing with him. I want to tell you when you're in the wilderness, don't leave your anointing at home. Use what God has placed on your life. The spirit of the Lord that rests upon you is the same in the wilderness as it is on the mountaintop. You've just got to say, God, I know that I'm not where I'm going, but this place is taking me to where I'm going. Right now, you're checking my heart. Right now, I'm finding out who I am. Right now, I'm pulling the mask off toward the real me. But whenever I come out, I'm coming out fighting. I'm coming out with your anointing. I'm coming out with your spirit and your power upon my life. And I will sit on the throne. Glory to God. Amen. Now years goes by in Psalm 63 and one said, Oh God, you are my God. Huh? Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. He said, early I'm going to seek for you. He said, I'm in a dry place, but it's not going to cause me to quit seeking for you. I'm in this place where there is no water, but I'm still hungry for you. When you're in a dry place, it's not called revival. (laughs) When you're in a dry place, there's nobody to encourage you. When you're in a dry place, there's no worship, no preacher. There's no invitations to come over. There's nothing. You're in that dry place and it feels like your, your prayers are just bouncing off of the ceiling. But David said in this dry place, I will seek for you where there is no water. Amen. The Holy Spirit is the water. And I want to tell you today that you may be in a dry place, but right where you are, there is water water. I said there is water in your dry place. I, I, I know, uh, you know, have you ever watched them drill for a well? Two of you. Well, let me tell you how they drill for a well. Y'all must be blessed with city water. But that drill, they bring that drill out there and they'll set it up and that hammer starts pounding that ground. It isn't anything quick, but it's constant. It's steady. It keeps pounding that ground, driving through the dirt, driving through the clay, driving through the rock. It keeps on pounding and pounding because they know down there somewhere there is a constant flow of water. Down there somewhere, if we can just get to it, there is a river flowing beneath this rock. 
And I tell you today, there is a river flowing where you are. And whenever you keep on seeking for him, David said, as a deer pants for the water's brook, I'm seeking for you, God. I'm going to keep on pounding. I'm going to keep on drilling. I'm going to keep on believing you because just because I'm in this dry place, I'm not going to quit praising you. Just because I'm in this dry place, I'm not going to give up on church, keep on praising you, loving you. I'm going to pound the ground. I'm going to drill this thing down until I find a water source that will sustain me even in the time of my trouble. Amen. So in Isaiah 41 and 18, he says, God says this. He said, if you'll seek me, I will open rivers in desolate heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. Hallelujah. I will, I will, I will cause water to get to you. Amen. I'll put rivers in high places. I'll cause fountains to be in the valley. You see, why is God so uh, uh, so concerned about getting water to us? He's concerned about getting water to us because devils don't only like dry places. Have you ever noticed that the devil don't come finding you whenever everything's going good? The devil don't come to you whenever the Holy Spirit is so strong on your life and you would like to find him and just beat him to death with a switch. Huh? He don't show up then. I don't know about you, but he don't show up then for me. He, he comes whenever I'm spiritually dry. He comes when I'm already in a desert place. He comes whenever I feel lonely and isolated and there isn't anything seem to be flowing in my life. But I want to tell you, God said, if you'll just keep on holding on to me, keep on believing my word, I'll cause a river to flow in a mountain. How many know rivers don't come out of the mountain? Amen. But God said, I'll cause a river to be in your high place and I'll cause a well to be in your low place. I want you to be full of the water. Why? Because the, the demons can't swim. That's the reason why whenever Jesus sent the, the, the demonic spirits out of those pigs, those pigs jumped into the water because they knew pig, that the demons can't swim. And I'm telling you today, the best thing you can do whenever you're dry and and the devil is all around, it's run for the water. Seek out the Holy Spirit. Seek out the presence of God. Desire his anointing. Let it flow over your life because when the water starts flowing, demons are going to be start going. Why? Because he said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. God wants you not to be tried, not to be barren, but out of the uttermost part, there's a well inside it. Of you there's a river inside of you of the Holy Spirit and when it begins to flow that's the reason why you can't shut your mouth you can't be mute you've got to speak the promise of God you've got to praise God because out of you flows the river of living water that will destroy your enemy hallelujah amen when you praise him out of your belly flows rivers of water Isaiah 43 and 1 said, Behold, I'll do a new thing. 
and it shall spring forth and shall you not know it? I will make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Desert places you can get lost very easy because it all looks the same. The terrain looks the same. The woods look the same, right? It's very easy because everything, the geographical region all looks the same. But God said, just keep on being faithful to me and I'll do something you haven't seen done before. What is that? I'll cause a river or I'll cause a road to be in the wilderness. A road always leads you where you're going. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm going to give you a road that will lead you to the place that you need to go. And he said, by the way, I'll cause there to be a river in the wilderness so that you will be able to be sustained. And then he goes on and tells us in Jeremiah 31 and 2. He said that I am the Lord, the people who... uh, who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Are you glad today for grace in your wilderness? Grace in the wilderness because in the wilderness, that's the temptation to give up. In the wilderness is that whenever you're tired, you're weary, you're frustrated, you're confused. In the wilderness is your place where the enemy will try to tell you it's not worth it. Just give up and quit. But praise God, God said, I'll give you a river of grace in your wilderness, a grace that will sustain you. David said, I've been anointed to be king, but I'm in the midst of this wilderness among the misfits, but I'm still hungry for you. I'm still desiring your presence. No matter what comes and what goes, I want you, God. I tell you today, God is looking for people in the wilderness that he can pour his blessing upon their life and cause a river of living water to flow out. And so I just come today to tell somebody, don't give up in your wilderness. Don't give up in your wilderness. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 22, the Bible says that there is a group of people there that... Caleb is said, I want Hebron. And in Hebron, there's a group of people that's the Anix. Anix, the descendants of Anix. And the word Anix means choke, to strangle, to strangle or to struggle with death. To To choke, to strangle, to struggle with death. And Caleb rolls up in there and he says, I've been through the wilderness myself. And he said, I don't want there to just be just any old thing that you give me. But where I want, where I want, I want Hebron. I want Hebron because my generation has been choked and strangled and have struggled with death all of my life. And I want to get a hold of them and run them out. I want to destroy what's been trying to destroy me and my generation. And Caleb said, I want that mountain. I want that place. And the Bible says in Joshua 15 and 14 that he drove out the children of Achan. And so don't allow the spirit of this age to choke you out. Amen. Don't allow the spirit of this age to choke you out in your desert place. 
Understand that God is with you and he will help you to choke it out or choke that what is trying to choke you. He will use it to choke them out. You see, our society, it is, it is, it is uh, Islam. Huh? It is the spirit of the age that we're all going to the same place. Huh? But I want to tell you today that Jesus wasn't born out of Islam. Jesus didn't come through Joseph Smith either. But Jesus came through 42 generations to Jesse. He brought us through the lineage of David and came out to be the lion of the tribe of Judah. I don't think that it's any, any, any mere coincidence that he came out to be the lion that roars in the wilderness. Amen. Because you see, he took his training too in the wilderness. He was tested of the devil, but he came through the wilderness. Amen. And he became the river for mankind that we could have life and have it more abundantly. But it was in that wilderness that he became the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lion that would roar. And you see, in the dry place, in the midst of the wilderness, the lion will roar and it paralyzes is the rabbit. It paralyzes the bird. It paralyzes everything that is in the wilderness. When the lion roars, everything else shuts up and listens to the sound of the roar. I want to tell you today that in the midst of our wilderness, we do not have to fear. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't even have to think about quitting or failing because our elder brother is the lion of the jungle. He is the tribe of Judah and he roars and when he roars he paralyzes our enemy and and whenever you study lions those lions they will roar and many times the lion does old lion doesn't even have teeth left huh but he roars because he's boisterous, because his voice has authority in the jungle, in the wilderness. But he roars, and when he roars, it paralyzes everything else. And then the lioness come out and devour the prey. I want to tell you today that you don't have to worry in the midst of your wilderness because the lion of the tribe of Judah still roars, and he still got teeth, and he's saying, greater is he that is in you than the world that is coming against you. Amen. And we, he is still faithful to roar, but we've got to learn how to roar. Come on, lioness. We've got to learn how to roar for ourselves. We've got to learn how to rise up. You see, everybody can shout when Jamie's playing and singing and the spirit's moving great, but we've got to learn how to roar in the midst of a wilderness. We've got to learn how to roar when everything has been set against us. We've got to learn how to roar when there's no water to be found because in the midst of your roar, it will paralyze your enemy. It'll assassinate everything that's come against you, but it'll also cause the dry place to become a well of living spring-filled water. I'm telling you today that we must rise up and give a roar in our life, roar over our family, roar 
pour over our finances and tell our enemy we're not giving up, we're not backing up, but we're going through this wilderness and we're coming out on the other side, the warriors that God has called us to be. Amen. And so what we have to do is simply this, roar until the rivers flow. Huh? Roar until our enemy hears our roar. Nobody's afraid of a house cat. Meow. Meow. Ain't nobody scared of that. Huh? But you let a lion roar. And he may be behind the cage, but he'll get your attention sure enough. Huh? Why? Because there's authority in it. Come help me, Jamie. Jamie. 